Speak softly loud and hold me warm against your heart. I hear your words. Good evening, all. Here we are again. Hollywood Godfather podcast. And we love having you with us, believe me. Without you, we'd be talking to ourselves. And that's not good. <laughs> so make sure you subscribe if you like the show. If you don't like the show, subscribe anyway. Pat, what are we going to talk about today? I don't know. I was going to make a suggestion. In the last two weeks, uh, we lost some pretty famous people uh, in the uh, organized crime world. And perhaps we want to eulogize one and say bad things about the other one. Well, you know, I, I want to utilize, uh, eulogize both of them. Because of the fact that I have a tremendous respect for Junior Carmine Persico, and uh, he was the only person I really went forward with that's still alive. And I, not that I was worried about him, but Junior is a guy that or was a guy that you know he had a. Uh, as you know, Pat, you've yeah. you traced this guy for years or followed him, but uh, he had a, a hair trigger personality. You could be eating with him one minute, and he'd be stabbing you with the fork. Oh my gosh! Watch out what you say with this guy. Oh yeah, no, this guy was an amazing guy, and I have a lot of respect for him, and and his son, Ali Boy, and those guys. And unfortunately, uh, we lost him March seventh, and he is the the main guy that was in our book, and is our in our book rather that was alive, and that was that whole confrontation with uh, Jimmy Kahn and I right. at, at, the, at the Copa, I mean at the uh, Jillies. Uh, we used to call it Copa West, it was smaller. But uh, he passed on, and then that, that uh, and then we, I know you're suggesting, Pat, that we talk about Frankie Boy, and and, and this kid, I mean, Not I know Frankie a lot Boy, of my- uh, uh, Al, Al Diop. Oh, that guy! Oh my God! No, yeah, yeah. That guy. Let's bury him. Frankie Boy in the past. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, we talked. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm yeah. still with him. You know why? I I have no feelings for a rat turncoat. This guy was the first guy out of the Lucchese family, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, you probably know the history or not, but um, it's interesting because Carlo Gambino, his son. Married a Lucchese daughter. Did you know that, Pat? Yeah, they wanted to uh, combine the bloodlines. Yeah, and they did. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's ironic because, uh, and I could say this openly, some of the members of those families are coming to dine in my dining room in two weeks because I'm still friendly with them, like I am with Tommy Gambino. Tommy Gambino, in, in his high 80s, he looks just like his dad. I know, and, it's creepy. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> And uh, but um, the other part, the other side of the family, the Lucchese's, are coming to my house because I'm, I'm friends with them. And it's funny because all, all of the shows I've been doing, and thank God to every um, radio network and television network, they've been so generous promoting this book. As uh, most of the people in New York know, we're in six thousand taxi cabs now. In that. Uh, taxi cab TV, and it's been overwhelming the response I've gotten. 
I just feel sorry for the cab owners. I can only imagine how many TV screens have been kicked in <laughs> by, by people who hate me saying, what's this guy doing? He's taking they over the world. They can't escape you. He's everywhere. I, I didn't ask to ride in the cab with this guy. <laughs> I know. That's, yeah, right. And I'm that so, guy, you know, I get in, I get alone with the sound. What am I talking to this idiot for? It's normally Jimmy Kimmel, who I used to happen to like. Mm -hmm. But what do I want to get in the camera to, to see anything on ABC television? You know? But I'm <laughs> anyway, one of those so, guys. So, I'm uh, one of those annoying people now this week. Which uh, I'm totally appreciating. Pardon the pun, but uh, let's get organized here. And let's, yeah. uh, let's kick off with uh, uh, Carmine Persico. As you knew him, and uh, the episode that you did have in uh, uh, Jilly's with him, that uh, could have cost you dearly. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, so, as as we're starting to realize, even in, if you read our book already, that Hollywood are practical jokers. I mean, I'm talking about Sinatra. I'm talking about Marlon Brando. They love practical jokes. Even Merv Griffin, when he pulled that stunt with me taking Zsa, Zsa Gabor to the opening of Mame. So I got more or less into the fact that it was a new life to me, and I'm talking about when I was 25, 26 years of age, that I was introduced to even these people mooning each other, and who could moon the most people at one time. And I'm saying, you know, I, don't, I, I never did that in my life, number one, <laughs> but I heard kids moon each other, little kids, but. So Brando, are, uh, for those who you don't know it, Brando, uh, Mooned everybody on the set uh, in, of the wedding in The Godfather. Well, he won. And, and he won. won the oh, congratulations! Yeah, the the, contra the contest was who could moon the most people at one time. There were kids there, right? Oh yeah, a lot of well, kids. These kids are going to have to grow up with the image of Brando's wrinkly ass for the rest Those of their life. Kids. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure some of them are in therapy <laughs> to and, this day. And, and, PTSD and now, for that. any parents listening to the show, they're probably going to sue Paramount. <laughs> they, they didn't think about now that it. They know. <laughs> no, but it's it's funny because as you as you mentioned, Jimmy Kahn. I mean, I, I I don't know where his head is. I never met I, until I met him on the set. I never knew what his personality was or wasn't. So all yeah, I can ever compare Jimmy Kahn to, he really thinks he was made mm -hmm. when he was made as Sonny Corleone. This guy walks around with an attitude that he's a made guy. So I don't know if it was therapy or he just wanted to meet people, but he made himself available to a lot of people and they loved it anyway. I mean, I, some of you could even remember, he went to Gotti's trial. Every day. I know, like, I mean. Really? Yeah, I, oh, it was crazy. And Mickey Rourke what, did one even better though, which I thought was the hilarious. Mickey Rourke loved John Gotti. So he sent him a treadmill for his cell the treadmill is the size of his cell. Oh my god! <laughs> a five by seven cell. Yeah, I know. Come on. I mean, I don't know where these guys were going. I stayed you, so what, far what away from that are? trial. They're all crazy. So there but, you are, one night in Jilly's. Yeah, and here, you know, we're at the bar. Thank God I was with Tommy Bellotti and Boozy DeChico. And mm -hmm. why I bring it up? It's an essential part of my life because if they weren't there, I may not be here tonight myself. But we're at the bar. And Boozy DeChico, just so you know, his real name is Jimmy DeChico. He was an underboss with the Gambino family. Mm -hmm. And the name Tommy Bellotti, you may recollect, Tommy Bellotti was shot in front of Sparks with Paul Castellano. He was his bodyguard and driver while Paul was the head of the Gambino family. And fortunately for me, 
Tommy was the best man at two of my weddings, not one. Two. <laughs> but I really liked the guy. They were on two successive weekends, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, they were, they were a couple of months apart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, I had a wash and wear wedding gown a minute rice in my trunk. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, Jimmy comes to the bar, and we're, into, we're shooting the movie now about two weeks, three weeks we're into the filming. And I only know him from the set, and we're very, you know, I don't, I don't need any problems, and nor did he, I, I thought. But uh, he comes to the bar, and he said, Gianni, Carmine is in the back. Junior Persico, the man we're talking about, he's there with his daughter. Why don't you come back and say hello? So the good news is Tommy Bellotti heard him say that. So did Buzzi DiCicco. So I excused myself, and I walked to the back, and there's Junior. And in protocol, you know, out of respect, I, you know, we shake hands, we kiss, whatever. Whatever the mood is, yeah. If he didn't want to kiss me, I don't kiss him. But, and not that they were, you know, Fanokias, but that's, <laughs> that, that's the respect thing that we were brought up with. So a few minutes into the conversation, I over, look, look to his right, and there is this gorgeous girl. And I said, June, you gotta be so proud. Your daughter is gorgeous, man, really gorgeous. And I could see the expression on his face because Junior is nuts. Everybody knows him. And when I saw that, I said, let me out of here. I knew I said <laughs> something wrong. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> so it sounds I, funny now. Yeah, it's very funny now. It's funny then. So as I leave, I go to the restroom. And that restroom, like most nightclubs and restaurants in New York, is downstairs in, in the basements. So I go down there. I'm not in the bathroom two seconds. And here comes two of Junior's goons, and uh, one's blocking the door, and the other guy's standing behind me at the urinal, and he starts poking me. I said, excuse me, so I'll be done in a minute. Nah, you're a wise guy. You insulted Junior. I said, how'd I insult Junior? You know, and just as that happened, thank God Tommy Bellotti caught the move, saw them coming down, and he comes down right away. With this, they were blocking the door. He pushes the door. As soon as he gets in, he gets the guy who was holding the door and cracks his head right on the sink and opens oh. this guy's forehead. That guy's down. Now he's standing with the guy like a sandwich. I'm in one end. This guy's between me and him. And he said, what, what are you doing here? He's not going to teach this guy a lesson. He's going to teach who a lesson. He's this guy. He's a punk. He insulted Junior. And he said, oh, no, he didn't. He said, yeah, he told Junior's girlfriend that's his daughter, and that was it. So t Tommy said, let me just tell you something. Without saying anything, he cracks him, knocks him right out. Tommy had like sledgehammers for hands. <laughs> no, it's true. And so now we walk to the door. Tom, uh, Jimmy, the boozy de Chico, made his way down, and he's standing there. He said, let's go upstairs and straighten this out. So I go up with them, and you know, I'm not a made guy, I never wanted to be, thank God. So Junior and Boozy go into the back room where the kitchen is, and they're in there t talking in just a few minutes. They call for Jimmy Khan. So Jimmy gets called into that, and he's not back there five seconds. You hear a couple of smacks to the face. Then they sem summons me. So Tommy comes in with me, and uh, and Junior, which probably he never did in his life, apologized to me and said, I feel sorry, you know, 
what could have happened to you, but this idiot set you up. That's my girlfriend, it's not my daughter. And he says, I apologize. I said, no, Junior, please. And he said, but now I'm gonna teach Jimmy Conn a lesson. Because Jimmy, you know, was trying to be a wise guy. Maybe he was doing method acting, trying to study mobsters. So he learned the lesson that night. Junior said, you lost a decision here tonight. Is what do you mean? He's well, Boozy sits with the Gambino family. You know I'm with the Colombo family. And Gianni is around these guys. And you almost got him hurt or killed tonight. He says, so from now on, you lost the decision. You're now with Boozy to Chico. <laughs> Jimmy didn't know what he even meant. Because you know, I mean, you know Pat, you know enough street stuff. Mm-hmm. When you, we, you're playing with people which normally are soldiers from different families, you lose the decision, you're gonna get clipped. Mm. And for well, how, people, what was, how, how scared was he? Scared, I mean, he was trembling. Yeah. And then soon as he heard that, Tommy Bellotti stepped right in his face. He said, I'm gonna kill him now. I said, Tommy, please. I said, I waited all this time for this movie. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're three weeks into shooting. You killed Sonny. They may even postpone the movie. They, they, didn't, they didn't know what they were doing at this point. Every day there was people from Paramount on the set gonna pull the plug on it. I just mean, my ego, I wanted the movie to come out. So <laughs> yeah, with, with this, uh, they, just, they just let Jimmy know from now on, let the movie happen, but hope your affairs in order because we're gonna clip you. <laughs> and so, I, and until this day, you know, I, I, I have that Aaron or that uh, marker yet that I can collect. So if Jimmy should worry if I should get a terminal disease or something. I'll just kill him myself. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so what you're saying is you two guys aren't exactly friends. Oh, no, not after that. <laughs> and then, then the shenanigans he played. I mean, we choreographed the fight scene, the only big scene I had with him. I mean, his character was to abuse me during the whole movie anyway, and he did, but that's his character. But then we choreographed the movie, I mean, the the fight scene, and we did a whole day, because again, this is my first movie, I don't know. When you get off the steps, you have to hit a mark, run across the street. You have to keep hitting these camera marks so they can focus it and keep the whole film running in focus and get to the destinations we need to be. So we choreographed the thing the whole day. The next day we're gonna shoot it, and here comes the beginning of the scene. I'm on the on the stoop, and I remember the first line I said to the guy. I said, stop taking action on the Yankees, we're overloaded. <laughs> and here comes Jimmy's car, and he jumps out of the car, and he has a billy club in his hand, which he didn't have in any rehearsals, and he throws it. Well, he must be a marksman, because he bounced it right off of my head. <laughs> and thank God I dropped behind the car so we can cut right there. So they come, they come and check me, had a little cut on my head and a lump. I said, come on, let's keep going. So now we get, from the car scene, we run across the street, he throws me over the rail, and he starts beating me with the garbage bale covers. And Which those- were not aluminum at the time. What's that? These garbage can covers were not aluminum like they are now. Yeah, they're not as light. Yeah, yeah even plastic. I mean, they went from aluminum to plastic. I could have took a beating all day with those. These yeah. were steel garbage bale covers. Ooh. And they made them heavy so they didn't blow away in the wind. That, that was the oh. idea of it. So now I'm padded up. 
on my elbows, because I knew I had to defend myself with my elbows, as the rehearsal said, and this guy's banging me. And I'm saying, what the hell is this about? But I thought he was trying to get realistic. Then there's that whole scene. Then I gotta crawl out, and I know what's coming, because I gotta crawl from the railing of the garbage bales to the fire hydrant, and I know he drop kicks me, and all during the rehearsal, soon as his toe touched my chest, I reacted and rolled over. Well, this time he gives me a full kick, lifts me up, and breaks two ribs. Oh. So now I got a bump on my head, I got a chipped elbow, <laughs> uh -huh. and two broken ribs. And that's method acting, man. Yeah, that's yeah, not only that. No, I made a decision that day. I said, I'm only doing love scenes from now on. Oh I get God. these fight scenes. But I, it was, to me, it was Jimmy just trying to show who he was and getting revenge for what happened at, at the Jillies that night. When was the last time you saw him? I, I never see him. No? When he walks in front of me, I don't see him. I tell him, get out of my way. No, he knows. He saw, I bunked into Selective him. vision. No, I, 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 I bunked into him a couple times in Beverly Hills, because in Beverly Hills, he's all over the place. And he, he, know, he knows. Mm. No. And I'm not, not that I'm a tough guy, I don't want to be, but you almost got me killed, idiot. Right. Out of your naivety, I wouldn't have had this career. I wouldn't be sitting here doing a podcast or anything else. Who knows? But that's why I really don't like Jimmy Kahn. <laughs> and I really, as you know, Pat, when we were writing that, you and I was you know, contemplating whether to use Junior's name and all of that, but it's the authenticity. We didn't want to put Mickey Mouse in it. We had to use him, because right. he's yeah. that strong. And I felt confident because he was doing 139 years. Yeah, but that doesn't make a really? difference. Yeah, he was in jail for 139 years. <laughs> Yeah, but, but he could have reached out. Oh no, his arm goes way beyond those bars. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and that's why, so it, as life would have it, and I'm so protected by Saint Anthony and whoever else. I, mean, I have a, probably an army of saints watching over me. Yeah. But here, unfortunately, and my condolences go to his family, if they're listening. Um, the guy dies March seventh. And as we all know, my book came out March 12th. Oh, wow. So, I mean, what's the coincidence yeah. of that? Well, I mean, we could have waited another year or two, not knowing if he was sick or not. But I, I you know, after we had this masterpiece, Pat and I, we strategized because St. Martin's Press offered us even a Christmas release. Mm -hmm. But Chris, you know, Pat's well aware of releasing books. You get into the Christmas release, that's all the best authors in the world. They do that because it's a big selling of books for Christmas gifts. Right. And we didn't want to get into the clutter, and then we came up with, let's do March 12th. Most people don't know that. That's the 48th anniversary of Godfather One coming out. And March 10th was the 50th anniversary of Mario Puzo's book, The Godfather. And I can just tell by now, hindsight's twenty twenty. We have not stopped doing publicity. It's crazy. Which was the best idea we ever had, because if I something would have happened so. to you, I would have actually had to go out and get a job. <laughs> I mean, come on. This, this was good. Uh, no, it's all good. I, I hate to see the guy go, but at the end, he was in pretty bad shape. He was confined to a wheelchair. He, uh, oh, yeah. No, I mean, he was, he was and, 85. And, yeah. And, he yeah. lived a full life. And you know what? Today, we, what we're talking about, Dawns and Godfathers. Today, Don Corleone, who was Marlon Brando, mm -hmm. is his real birthday. 
he would have been 95. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. I yeah. actually did see that. It was Brando's birthday. No, we, we lost. I, 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 I lost him as a friend in 2004, which was a, another whole fiasco with Michael and Elizabeth Taylor because we finally convinced him to go into the hospital. He was like 360 or 380 pounds. And uh, fortunately, he was my neighbor up on Mulholland Drive. So I was keeping an eye on him and we became friends even more so when we gave him the, the biggest paycheck to play Don Corleone again in the movie The Freshman right. with Matthew Broderick and Bruno Kirby. And we, and we lost Bruno Kirby already. I mean, I can't believe how many people, young actors. He was are, a young man, so he was a Yeah, sport. it was a shame. Oh, wow. But, um, so I mean, it's ironic that we're talking about two real made guys and a fictitious made guy, but it's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Molly. <laughs> Happy birthday, Wherever Mom. you are, you maniac. <laughs> well, how well, well did you know uh, little Al Giacco? I knew a lot about him, and especially as, as when, well, he was one of the first guys to go public. When Tell everybody who he was. Well, I mean, he was an underboss in the Lucchese family. Hmm. And uh, you know, a major guy. And uh, to my recollection, because I was young then, I wasn't paying attention to that, I was in my teens. But he was the first guy, wasn't he, that flipped, Pat? Uh, what year was it? I'll tell you. I don't know what year. I'm no, no, he it. wasn't. I don't think he was. Yeah, it might have been the first. You know, they all they all tended to fall together. Uh, Fish Cafaro uh, uh, was about that time too, and a whole bunch of guys. But anyway, he was one of the biggest, one of the first, if, if not the first. Yeah, because I mean, both. Huh. I think in rank. Within the family, he was like the top, one of the top guys. Yeah. Because everybody talks about Henry Hill and all these. Henry Hill was a mud. Uh, a jerk, a punk. Yeah. They made him. Do you uh, know I mean, why he did it? Because I don't know why he did it. I don't know why. I, well, I, I heard that he did it because he had a contract on him. That's a good reason. And, you know, uh, and, and, and um, my good friend Jimmy Burke, who I love, and uh, he, he was in that whole crew. And when they did the Lufthansa deal, Nobody got it's paid. Not, <laughs> <laughs> they they would always arrange a meeting. A, the biggest cash robbery in American history. Yeah, I mean, give us give the audience a little fact on that because that's that's a dated but classic robbery. Well, a bunch of Queens guys got together. Uh, uh, Kennedy Airport was their playground. I mean, they were they they were headquartered right outside of Kennedy Airport, and they uh, they used it basically for their main source of income. They were ripping everybody off. Hijacking was their specialty. Yeah, hijacking trucks, so people yeah. know what they, as they, the cargo was coming out. Mm. And then they had a young guy that learned from them later on and did the same thing. His name was John Gotti. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the, yeah, this was uh, like uh, a hijacking 101. Yeah. Gotti was a big uh, hijacking guy. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they got wind uh, through uh, uh, an insider that Lufthansa Airlines, which is a, a German airline, was bringing in a load of cash. And it was basically unsecured. I mean, they they had they had you know seven dollar fifty cent an hour square badge guards, but that was about it. And they walked in there one night, a whole crew of them. I don't know how many guys, but there was a, a significant number that went in and relieved them. Most of the figures, all between five and seven million dollars, right? Yeah. Oh. All cash, all cash, all untraceable. Yeah, small bills. But uh, I had the pleasure, and I stay a pleasure because Kathy Burke, Jimmy's daughter, and I had a wonderful romance. And he wanted me, he, he thought I was nuts. 
and obviously he's the most insane person in the world. So for him <laughs> to think I'm nuts, he's that means something. This is the kind of guy you should be with. And I love Jimmy <laughs> Burke. So I, I mean, I know firsthand, and a lot of people probably relate this story into, into the movie um, Goodfellas. That was the backbone of Goodfellas, if my yeah. memory serves me right. Yep. And so with that, and w which bothered me most, and in fact, I used to tease um, De Niro because he played Henry Hill. I said, why do you want to play that rat? Are you crazy? Yeah, I didn't play Henry Hill. Uh, uh, De Niro played Jimmy Burke. Oh, Jimmy Burke, I'm sorry. Right, yeah. right, right. Who played, who played Henry Hill? I forgot. That uh, name's at the tip of my tongue. Anybody have a computer there? No, but, no. Run? You know, no, I'm but anyway, I mean, I mean, thank you for correcting me. But I, I was laughing because, you know, I, I, Paul Savino and those guys, to me, they're, you know, I, I, I know them, but they're people I don't want to know. I mean, this guy's got an ego as big as uh, New York City, Paul Savino. I, I put him in the category of Danny Aiello. I changed Danny Aiello's name when he became a, a gangster in movies, too. To Danny Aigo. <laughs> <laughs> These guys walk around like they're button guys. I can't believe it. <laughs> Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta, that's it, yeah. But to, and to me, and I like Ray, but the interesting thing about that whole thing is every time, as, as in real life, when these guys were supposed to count up, Jimmy Burke would meet one of them at, you know, say, just meet me alone so nobody knows what we're doing. And the guy yeah. would disappear. And then the next guy, and, and they'd come to him and say, you, you know, we haven't seen uh, you know, Schmozy around. Well, <laughs> well, I don't know what happens. What are you asking me for? <laughs> Nobody got a dime other than Jimmy Burke at that whole payoff. And that was a big crew. Wow. That was like 20 guys. Before. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and but I'm, you know, I, I'm just wondering. I hope Kathy got it because he's dead. And I'll tell you how nuts Jimmy Burke they kidnapped his son, Jesse. Yeah, he named this kid Jesse James. I oh love this God. guy. He was so into all that stuff. And they kidnapped his son, and they were trying to blackmail him, saying, bring us our money. He says, we're going to kill your son. Hey, kill him then. He said, hey, kill him. <laughs> did he really say that? Oh, yeah. They did. That's crazy. And they did. They did? Yeah. And he said, I got another son and a daughter. He said, but you ain't getting the money. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's no, that's Easy. how nuts this guy was. No, that's was, insane. No. Because you knew they'd kill him anyway, so, they, you know. Man. But anyway. And uh, that's uh, a little mob history today. <laughs> I, I tell you, you know, people, uh, people don't realize uh, uh, Carmine Persico was a very, very smart guy. Oh, my and God, I'm not, yeah. I'm not only talking about street smart. He defended himself. Uh, he acted as his own lawyer, which people say, of course, you know, if you defend your, your, yourself as your own lawyer, you have a, you know, you, uh, a loser as a client. You know, I mean, yeah, you don't, you don't do that with the kind of time he was facing, but he did it, and he got the admiration of the prosecuting uh, a DA. He said, "This guy knows what he's talking about." Oh no, he, he did started a very, did a very good job of defending himself. And you know, another guy that I'm very close to, and he'll be coming out in another year and a half, was Joe Watts. Joe Watts was brilliant. And he put together a boiler room across the street from the court and hired every paralegal. When he went in, he knew every, every la the language, as any profession has their own language. 
I mean, I would put Joe Watts up against F. Lee Bailey, who was one of his attorneys. That's wow. how smart this guy was. So he, he defended himself? No, no, he realized, the mis like you just pointed out, it yeah, was pointed out fly. after yeah. Jimmy Burke did that, he got 139 years. Ooh. Joe Watts so far has done about 38 years, but at least he keeps coming out. He keeps going back in. Maybe he <laughs> likes the food, I don't know, but. <laughs> but that's a true gangster. I mean, oh, he yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, and, he, he believes in the life. And not only that, you know what's interesting? He's German. He can't yeah. be made, but he was so loyal to the code. I mean, to this day, I don't know anybody has as much respect as Joe does. I mean, I, and I love the guy. I mean, I was, we were teenagers together. I, I know his family, but I don't know anybody that's that loyal in that crew. Anybody. Is it true he taught the John Gotti how to dress? We know that, man. When hmm. John Gotti started coming to the neighborhood with his, you know, Howard Beach was all those warm-up suits. Yeah, that's all he ever wore. And all of a sudden, he's wearing a $10,000 designer Brioni clothes. Well, Joe, Joe, Joe brought him to a tailor. I don't want to mention who he is. But yeah. Joe brought him to a tailor and bought him some suits. One thing about Joe Watts, he's the generous guy in the whole world. I mean, he's taking me shopping. He spent like 10000 on me one Christmas. Oh, my God. I said, come on, Joe. It's only money. It's only money. Oh, wow. But I mean, talk about a brilliant businessman. I mean, just him coming up with the international languages of the phone cards, and he supplied every bodega in Brooklyn, Queens, and all those little phone card, prepaid phone cards. Oh, yeah. That when he went to jail, I mean, his company had such a reputation with AT&T that they were fronting him 30, 60 days in these pre, you know, he had the cards made mm -hmm. with the color of the flags of the country you were buying them in. Wow. And then his last move, he got Lee Iacocca, which I'm sure he's not gonna be happy that I'm saying this. <laughs> Lee Iacocca, when he had Chrysler on Chrysler Corporation, he, and he, Joe loved Lee Iacocca. Mm -hmm. And he convinced Lee Iacocca, anytime he bought a Chrysler, give them a $100, phone card. So they had Chrysler emblems on all these cards. Why I'm building this up, when he went to jail, he had a $187,000 phone bill. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm kind of unclear about this. Were these phone cards legitimate? Oh, no, they were legitimate. Yeah, oh, okay. No, they were le that's what he did differently. They were legitimate. He said, why do you want to make this plastic? We got to buy it from this guy. He went right to AT&T put up a bond, and in a year or two, the business they were doing, legitimate phone card business. It was crazy, he was doing millions of dollars a week. Wow. But he loved being a gangster. He still does. I mean, I remember meeting him in the south of France when he first came out the last time, and uh, we met there, and he said, I gotta get back to America, this is crazy. <laughs> so he comes back and he got pinched again. Next time, <laughs> Some of his lawyers that I'm very close to, I don't want to mention their names, they they make a deal, because I had a house in uh, in Paso Robles, in, in, uh, in, right, right off a bar. I said, we knew the mayor. So we said, why don't we get him, when, when he gets paroled, the mayor will accept them there. So we both got Mexican passports. And we went there. But again, we're out in Mexico City, and nobody knew Joe Watts. You know, he has to have all his jewelry on. And, and the bodyguards that he hired, they said, Mr. Watts, you can't be wearing this kind of jewelry. They're gonna kidnap you. 
don't I know who I am? They said, no. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> they really don't even talk your language. <laughs> they see that, that kind of merchandise, they're going to kidnap you and hope somebody pays the ransom. Oh. So then he came back again. No. You take it off? Nope. That's who he can't. He said, if I can't live the way I'm living, I don't want to live. And that's it. He took his chances. Hmm. So he gets out, he'll be pushing 80. Oh, yeah. I You said that. I didn't. He don't like okay. anybody telling him his age. And say it, oh. Joe. Uh, he didn't say. I didn't say it. Nobody Pat, said it. <laughs> we're Joe, you're young at heart, Joe. That's all we can. We're, we're blaming Megan. <laughs> oh gosh. Megan said it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so crazy this world we live in, and that world especially. I mean, it's. But these guys. I, I just saw a guy that I can't believe, and he was in my friend's restaurant uh, in, in Corona Parkside restaurant, Sonny Francesi. He's 102 years old. Now you look up this guy, this guy he was a, a tough old man. And it's funny because one night he came out and see, they, I'm friends with these people because I'm the only person they can hang out with because they're on paper even when they come out. He's on parole now, 102. Where's he going? <laughs> oh my God, what? So I don't want to- he certainly isn't gonna run. Yeah, I don't want to mention another restaurant. We're in New York on a Thursday night and a couple of wise guys owned the restaurant. So we went and you know, we, I made the reservation under my name. We're sitting there and, and just to show the young people on, who's listening to us about respect and how these old guys demanded respect. We're sitting there, now you're talking about, this was maybe he was 99 at the time. Young man. And, yeah, and, <laughs> and the table next to us, uh, two couples, right next to us in the front uh, front of the, well, I'm gonna tell you the restaurant, Campagnol, and uh, it's on First, First Avenue and 73rd. And these kids are F this, F that, F oh. this. So he said, Johnny, tell those kids to stop doing it, okay? So I lean over and I said, tell the, the kid, I said, my, my uncle's getting really upset about your language with the ladies at the table. Tell your uncle to go F himself. Ooh. Well, oh. he didn't realize Sonny had two guys at the bar that he can't even sit with, but they keep an eye on him. These two guys go over to the table and they lift these two kids up. And they said, your dinner is over. And they, <laughs> they carried them outside and threw them in the street. Now their wives and girlfriends, whoever they were, were hysterical crying. So the guys come in and, and you know we said, just give us our check, get them out of here. And we took their check, and these guys were begging because we could see them in the window because they asked who that guy was. Oh. And they knew because he's a legend. Sonny Francesi, I mean, this guy, a legend gangster. Mm -hmm. And talk about a tough guy. Well, you know, Pat, you've been on yeah, that. Yeah, well, you know, he was interviewed uh, in the Daily News last week. You're kidding me. No, he was interviewed, and they, they even have a picture of him. I tell you, he's 102, and it's, how often can you say, gee, he looks good for his age? Right. He does. No, he does. Well, he played handball every day in prison. That's prison. all he wanted to do. And, and in fact, the guy who's been very generous to us, Patrick Bet David, mm -hmm. and, and you know, he, he had his son Michael Francesi on a show years ago. And, uh, you know, and Michael has his own story. I, I can't even get into it. But he left the family, and supposedly he's the only guy that left the family and lived. We don't, we, we don't know that yet. But Patrick 
Bet David, who I became friends with, and thank God this guy, I hope he's listening. I mean, we had 372,000 hits on his podcast with me. I mean, and uh, anybody, what was the name of the podcast? Uh, it was Valuetainment. Valuetainment. Any of our listeners, Valuetainment. Look this guy up, and he's got so many great interviews, but look for our interview with me. But I, 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 my hat's off to this man. He came to this country at 10 years of age. He left Tehran when I was there fleecing the banks for the Shah of Iran. That's another story. But he couldn't believe it. His mother's still alive. And she couldn't believe that. I. She remembered the whole thing about us moving all this money before the Khomeini came in. Oh my God! We moved like 60 to $80 million and took it to the Vatican in six hours. Now this guy comes to my house with a camera crew. He's telling me his story. I said, wait a minute. I was there with General Madaba and, and the Pasha. He said, are you kidding me? And this guy came to this country, went to school. He graduated, I mean, What's the best school? One of the best colleges in the world. I mean, I got to learn learn more about the colleges. But he graduated Yale. Oh, okay. Yeah, as Yale's a mathematician, a he started buying up smaller in Dallas. He lives in Dallas. He started buying up smaller insurance companies, hmm. and the idea was let's get a conglomerate of smaller insurance companies. We can make better prices by buying more insurance, and he did that. And he's selling his company now, 10 years later, for a couple of hundred million dollars. Oh my gosh, God I mean, bless and, him. And, but all he's, he's a motivational speaker. And if you ever f listen to his speeches or anything else, I'm doing a commercial for him because that's all he does for us. I mean, he promotes us all over the place. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you have an opportunity, look at Valuetainment. This guy's, his posting is amazing, man. He doesn't even have to do that, obviously. No, I mean, I mean, he's such a devoted guy, and that's what he wants to do now. And um, so we covered a lot of wise guys here. My, who do we leave out? <laughs> my, my main guy, obviously, was Frank Costello. Nobody was brighter than him. And I think a lot, a lot of younger uh, people, even like, well, in The Godfather, it's funny. And it's funny because I'm thinking about the text you sent me um, the other day, we must have talked about it on air because I got it cleared. Somebody sent Pat a text, and it was Danny, Maya Lansky II's wife, and they want to. They, they're going to be in Vegas. They want to come to the Mob Museum oh while my I'm gosh. there. So I called Miami, and I said, uh, "Is it all right if I call him? Stay away from them." By the way, that's all I got. That's all. They contacted me again today, about an hour ago. Oh, you kidding? No way. Johnny hasn't called us. I said, well, you know, he's a very busy guy. But I said, you know, uh, he has the information. If he wants to call you, he will. And I'll be speaking to him tonight, and I'll, I'll pass that along. I get people calling me. I got one guy calling me from Florida. He said, where can I get Don Corleone vodka, which is your vodka? I said, have you tried a liquor store? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I get silence from the other end. I said, good idea, right? He said, yeah, thank you very much. I mean, these, where do these people come from? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, how get, do they get your you number? Know? Well, yeah. he's, he's he's known, Pat Picciarelli, so he's he's yeah. posted, and he and he's on on the web and everything else. You can find no, him. I tell you, some of these people are just some of them are funny. Yeah, I mean, uh, where so do you get funny. Don Corleone vodka? <laughs> Talking about oh, it's Don Corleone. He'll tell you where to get it. Yeah, hello, wake him up. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs>
Isn't it time for us to go to the mailbag? Yes, yes we should. We only have a couple yeah. for today's episode, and one you actually touched upon already. Um, a question from Haig Martirosian said that he's been following Sonny Franchese's life story a lot because it's well documented. Oh, wow. Said that he knows he thinks he's 102 and recently out of jail, which was all you just confirmed. And he said his son said he was also with Monroe, Marilyn Monroe. Michael said that? This guy, Haig, said that. No, wait a minute. Haig is saying our email said that Sonny's son was also with Marilyn Monroe. Um, Michael could say anything he wants. <laughs> I don't know if he was or not. I so yeah, he added that in there. I, I didn't bunk into him. I, I, <laughs> you guys didn't bond on that? I, I was with, I was with her the last two days of her life. Yeah, that's and true. the first four I was, unless it was before me. Mm -hmm. But I think I think Michael's my age, and I, I met her when I was 16. Oh, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, listen, it could happen. I mean, she's yeah. an amazing lady. Never know. She was in New York for a year. Mm -hmm. and stayed here for a year actually hiding out from the Xanax trying to prove herself as a, uh, a legitimate actress and that's what she was trying to get out of that sex look mm -hmm. but that's uh, funny so this kid's talking about yeah Sonny so basically his question was he was wondering if you've ever met or known Sonny in your day so yeah I know, I, know. Yes. I don't I, I can't say I knew him we both knew of each other we're you know different families and uh, we have a mutual friend who's very close to me, and he, he's always in, in uh, at Parkside Restaurant. Right now, I think he's in a hospital, though. Really? I, I, I think he's just for a checkup. I don't know what it is. But I know Patrick Bed-David mm -hmm. went to see him in the hospital, and then Patrick came here to see me again. Really? Yeah. But it's, I think he's trying to get him on camera. But if, if Michael, I mean, if Sonny's out doing the Daily News, he's an amazing guy. An amazing, amazing man. But yeah, he I was very talkative. He, he 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 talked freely about uh, uh, being in a life. He said he'd do it all over again if he had to, and he's so proud that he kept his mouth shut. He'd do it again. Well, he's a man's man. I think he. I I I, I would, would suggest that uh, he we would like to be interviewed. Well, you know, if anybody's going to interview him, then let's go and see him. Hello, reach out. <laughs> well, I could reach out to him in an hour. Hello, wouldn't that be something? No, I I have some people coming here for dinner. Next week, that uh, are very close to him. I'm, I'm, bring it up. I'll be surprised if you don't show up. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> they, they they like my sausage and peppers. <laughs> well, I hear it's legendary. No, he is a legendary guy and tough, tough man. I'm talking about your sausage and peppers. Oh, 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 yeah. oh yes, oh, this, oh, it yeah. is sausage yeah. and peppers. I can attest to that. Megan's okay. got. You know, we, I'm, I'm. You know, you always have to run out because you got to go to school, Pat. You never stay <laughs> yeah, right. at the end of the show. But May tenth, that's over. <laughs> My school days are over. So. After that, I'm going to become an astronaut. <laughs> so, so why do you keep saying astronaut? This is yeah, I don't know like something I haven't done. Time. You I like that? Like yeah, I mean, that. I don't know what the I, 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 I already figured out how to get to space, but I haven't figured out how to get back. Well, oh, okay. Well, that's a slight that's problem, right? Well, so just many, a little bit. So many people have been there and back. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I haven't figured that part out yet, but I'm working mm, on it. All right, we'll work on that. I think What's you the should other stay on Earth <laughs> and write another book with me. Yeah, yeah, that's even that. better. I, I won't have to leave the Earth. <laughs> okay, so we have one last one for today, and this is a nice note from somebody named Elias Kawam. And basically, Elias, Elias says, through listening to your podcasts, I'm truly learning from you and your stories. 
I want to someday be that guy like you where I'm connected with some of society's biggest names and at the same time stay true to myself and my beliefs just how you did. And then he says, you never let any of these big shots step on you and you were never a sellout to anybody. You always stayed true to yourself. So you've been a big inspiration to Elias. Well, I, 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 it's going to be so hard for a Muslim to get into our group. <laughs> <laughs> you could be an associate. No, but it's funny that both, <laughs> both these people seem like they're from the Middle East, their names. Uh, Are they? I'm not sure. I can't really tell, honestly, no? from names. No. Elias. Elias Kuwam and the other one was Haig Martirosian. Oh, no, it's, he's Italian. But Elias, uh, Elias, if you're listening, uh, that's one of my favorite names because Elias Ghanem was my favorite doctor. <laughs> and also, he was the doctor to uh, Elvis Presley. In fact, look good, him right? up. He's a, this guy was an amazing, amazing guy. And he, he was the one that stitched me up, him and Murray Parks, when that guy cut me up. Oh. But uh, Elias Ghanem and I have a great history together. And um, so Elias, uh, if you can get into the life and do it like I did, do it. Other than that, stay in school and get an education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the days when you were coming up are gone, Jim. Oh, yeah. Well, well unfortunately, and, they, and I hate to say it, but with these new people, if they don't know you, they're not letting you in. And the new people, you don't really want to be around. They're not honorable to themselves, mm. and they're doing so many, so many bad things. As you know, we we figured out even with Frank Kelly that it had to be a drug situation. We were all wrong in that. The only thing I was right about it wasn't a hit by the family. And unfortunately, this 24-year-old kid, I hope he's listening. I would just slit my wrist now because Get it you're going to go to prison with a bunch of Gotti crew, they're gonna use you as a punching bag, man. Oh. But, uh, Yikes. So how are we doing with time? Uh, I think we should be about wrapping it up. Okay. Yep. Well, again, a great show. I hope you got some uh, informative information that you could use in a legitimate way. We try to give positive uh, feedback <laughs> to, to society. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Remember, we post a new show every Wednesday. What's more important, share it, tell your friends about it, and definitely subscribe. Okay, folks. Good night. All right. Good night, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. Email Gianni Russo with your questions, comments, and for information regarding his motivational speaking appearances to Gianni at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com. Email Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments to Patrick at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and visit Amazon.com for a listing of books he has written. I'm Megan Horan. I can be emailed at Megan at HollywoodGodfatherPodcast.com and would enjoy hearing from you. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. But most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails. Good night.